Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shokova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. So hello everyone, it's my pleasure to host here Alexei and Roland, uh, my two uh, friends from a long time, less conferences, Agile Pra conferences and many more. And I would like to ask you guys, like, what are you currently passionate about in Agile space? Where do we start, right? <laughs> um, we are actually passionate with the stuff that we are currently creating in the agile space we're, we're passionate with our own stuff yeah <laughs> we believe that's 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 um, the best thing that has been ever created and it's not a new framework we are although we'll... some people argue it is yeah also yeah, but it's not a new framework framework okay so well, why it's not a framework then we are actually not against a framework and we are not for the framework we believe we are helping the humanity to get rid of what we call HFDS, which stands for <laughs> HFDS. HFDS, which is a human framework dependency syndrome. We believe that there is too much dependency on frameworks in the agile space. And we are working really hard with, with my friend Roland here to actually cut that disease out. So you're anti-framework? No, we haven't said that. We are anti-framework thinking. We, we believe frameworks are helpful, but they can also hurt. But what really hurts is what we call framework thinking, is when people believe that particular framework is going to solve all their problems. Yeah. The agile pill, yes, of course. Yes. I want one. No, not from you guys. Okay. So what is your approach about? Tell us more about this. So the uh, organizational topologies is um, a thinking tool. I think it's more appropriate to call it a thinking tool and um, uh, to call it a framework. Because actually, uh, as Alexei quoted it so perfectly in Amsterdam last time, we want to make thinking sexy again. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. So, yes. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, I mean... You know, choosing a framework is also thinking, but it's, in our opinion, a, a bit of a shallow way of thinking. It's like, yeah, this is the Chinese menu and I will go for number five. Uh, and what we would rather, uh, we want to encourage people to think a little bit deeper and slower and, and to really create, you know, the attention and time to think about how do we organize ourselves for what purpose? What are we, are we trying to achieve? And therefore, with, with our thinking tool, we try to uncover questions that need to be answered to be able to make good decisions on your, well, let's call it organizational design. 
Yes, and to give some more specific example, right? So we've built this thinking tool or a mapping that helps you uncover different organizational cultures or organizational archetypes, as we call it. And when people say, for example, hey, we want to do safe, yeah? And we, we, we're not against safe, but we're against what I will describe in a minute, right? They say, we want to do safe. And actually, what we've discovered, so after we built our uh, thinking tool, the, a map, then we started to map different uh, frameworks. And we mapped safe, of course, and we, may, we mapped the Spotify, so-called Spotify model. And we've realized there's no one space, there's no one box on Orctopology's map where safe or Spotify belong. They span across multiple boxes because, as we say, and you can quote us on that, there are different shades of safe. At least right? 50. And there are different shapes of uh, Spotify. Uh, because uh, there is a very bad form of safe, for example, with only component teams where you, the, what you actually do full time is just to manage dependencies. And there are, of course, a better safe where you are trying to create more autonomous teams and in, invest in their you know, technical capabilities. And then basically safe becomes um, just a way to, to bring those teams together to stop talking about the value, you know they can create together so there are different saves and there are different spotify models and basically every framework there is we believe spans multiple archetypes so now when you say to somebody hey we're doing safe actually that means not so much because there are different safes so what we believe is important to say is which specific organizational design you would like to have in your organization or where are you now and do you want to move away from? And actually both, right? As it's important to discuss where are we now, or which kind of org design do we currently have? Okay, we have these component teams with many dependencies. We understand the drawbacks of that approach. That's where we are now. And this is where we want to go, right? We, we, we would like to create another organization where teams will be more autonomous and they will be, you know, collaborating to each other in a more decentralized manner. That's where we want to go. So, yeah. and now once you define this A and B, you're going from A to, to B and this is fine. This is your journey and this becomes your journey. There's no other company who you know, goes through the same journey. So this is your journey, you own it. And now because you own it, you can find some tool, some framework, some other idea, which maybe will help you to get from A to B. Yeah. So the good thing about this concept that we're developing, um, like we said before, it helps you, well, it's, it, it doesn't do away with frameworks, but it helps you to think in a different way about frameworks. And more more importantly, it helps you to talk differently about frameworks. So what, what we're trying to achieve is that instead of saying, so what kind of safe are you implementing? We would like people to talk about, you know, the archetypes that we created. I'm an AT, more, more or less an A2 kind of organization. And I think that I need to change this and that to move to B2 or B3, which makes it more you know, it's, it, it cuts away, away those problematic, noisy differences of different implementations of all these frameworks that are around. So it's a vocabulary thing. 
And um, it also helps people to not love their solution too much, if you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, oh, yes, we've chosen for this and that framework. That's loving your solution. We would rather do one step back, you know, and to keep on loving the problem that you're having. Focus on the problem, not on the solution. And, and we really see in talking to leaders of companies uh, that the tool helps. You know, we, we've created this kind of scanning mechanism to talk people through their organizational design where they are now. Uh, we make mappings of that. And then it's, it's pretty detailed. What kind of team is this? What does it do and where does it sit? And then we put those teams on the archetypes that we know and together uh, we, we, we kind of come to a very good understanding of the dynamics in this organization. And then people already see like, oh, oh wait a minute. Now I understand better why things work the way they work. So these, these discussions are, well, it's not discussions, this form of having a dialogue is really valuable for those people. And that sounds really interesting. Can you give us a little more details about that map? Because I remember it from that keynote, mm. uh, but I, can st I can't still say out of my memory, like what is A1, what is B2, etc. So can you give us more like description about that mapping so we have a sense? So it took us a while uh, to simplify the model, right? Because, I mean, organizations are, are complex beings, right? So we've limited the model only to two dimensions. And somebody of you might think, oh, no, that's not enough. But we've realized that's already good enough to be able to classify a lot of different org designs, okay? So the horizontal or the X axis, is the one that describes uh, how well people interact, work together as a unit. So you can name it a team maturity dimension, or you can uh, you can name it um, um, fluency in how good teams are at delivering customer value or features. So we've uh, used different namings, and I guess different namings are useful in different contexts, but very broadly speaking, that's the level to which people in a work unit interact each other, with each other, learn and work together. And typically in the agile context, we're speaking about teams, right? Or you can sell uh, learning and working cells as a more broader uh, term for teams. So the horizontal axis is about how individual teams are, and there in the agile space, yeah, going back, uh, Zuzi, to equation, in the agile space, there are lots of things happening uh, which help uh, to create better teams, right? The whole DevOps movement, as I understand it, it's about creating specific practices and metrics to help you create better teams. And the other axis is, again, it's interaction. So both axes are about interaction, but if the horizontal one, the X one, is about interaction inside the team. The vertical one, it's, it, is in, it describes interaction between the teams. Or in another word, uh, the ecosystem of your organization, of your teams, and how these teams interact with each other, how do they collaborate with the customer, how they work together with the management, that defines that higher level structure Right, and that you can co you you can call it basically the axis of scaling, because it is now you are describing how multiple teams work together, and here again 
you can use different namings. You can call it fluency at discovering and delivering broader customer value together. Uh, but again, this is about, uh, broadly speaking, about interaction uh, between the teams um, in an ecosystem that creates value for customers. So we tend to call those structures value-creating ecosystems. Yeah. And what we're currently working on with um, Roland, we basically, we've realized we are in a field of org design for value-creating ecosystems. Isn't that beautiful? It's very scientific, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, org design. It's nice, ecosystems. Yeah. yeah. But 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 I want to add to this a little bit. So the, the vertical axis, uh, talking about the interaction between teams, is a very mind-boggling, crazy world. It's extremely challenging to think about this. Uh, we started off pretty easily uh, by having this idea that we knew it all, and putting, um, uh, you know, combining the X and the Y axis would be teams that can do everything and that can have maximum alignment on anything they do. Well, there's only one way of doing that, isn't it? Have a one single product backlog like described in less, that would be a good idea. So that was for a long time was a little bit our mono approach almost. But then we were starting to challenge ourselves like, but that there must be more ways to, to create perfect alignment, right? Where we're just focusing maybe too much on this less perfection goal. Maybe there's other ways. Yeah. And uh, so another way of calling the axis would be the horizontal is autonomy, the level of autonomy and the vertical is a level of alignment. But mm -hmm. again, we tend to um, lean towards a broader definition of interaction, as I said above. And uh, going back to your question, Zuzi, on what those boxes are, A1, A2. So basically now, since you have two axes, now, of course, you can find yourself in some kind of a spot in between, right? You can say, hey, my teams are very much autonomous. This will be a very rightmost on the x-axis. So you, your org design will create very advanced autonomous teams, which individually are able to, you know, in a very short lead time and deliver some specific customer value. But on that, uh, but it doesn't mean that the teams are also good at interacting with each other. And that means maybe you are still very low at a vertical axis, which means you are, say, um, a three archetype. Yeah, which, so the, which, so the combination which, of something yeah, horizontal and yeah. vertical creates a spot and we give which it Which means a. you are three level advance on the horizontal one, but you only the first level A on the vertical one. Which means that, yes, individually, teams are very powerful. They're very autonomous, um, you know. They can rock the stage, but all, but but only a very, a very small stage they can rock. Uh, you know, they don't learn from each other. They don't understand broader definition of a customer value. Everybody is focused to deliver and work and improve a narrow feature set, for example. And yeah, and uh, this whole map, basically, you can say, if you are very advanced on both axes, we believe that creates a very adaptive and very resilient organization. Because imagine if every team is very good at doing what they know already. And at the same time, they are good at collaborating with each other and discovering some new value, which is worth to be working on. That creates an organization which can, which can easily jump on any new opportunity 
and in short lead times uh, to deliver and discover and learn to deliver some new value. So basically, the further you go up and right on the model, the more adaptive and the more resilient organization uh, you can build. And you going know, back to what Roland uh, had uh, said above, we tend to believe like less would be a very much advanced on the both axes because yeah. this an org design with a very advanced teams, feature teams, we call them, right? And also the way they collaborate with one backlog is also pretty advanced. But then yeah. we discovered that's not the end. Yeah, that's also one, one key aspect, I think, of the journey that we're into. Uh, thanks, by the way, for uh, clarifying a little bit more on the boxes, Alexei. But the discovery part is, um, is really challenging as well. It's like there's new horizons popping up each time we think that we've, we've seen the end of the world. It turns out to be like a sphere and not a flat pancake. So this is, this is very cool because we, we're both uh, people, Alexei and me, uh, who get bored very fast. So it's important that we, we get new stuff to discover uh, as we go along. And um, there's one more thing I would like to add to the value of the, of the, of the mapping that we do. Uh, Alexei explained the boxes, but what's also important is that we try to uh, clarify what kind of belief system creates those boxes. Let's assume that you think that it's good to have very deep specialized teams because you want to optimize those expensive resources for usage, then it can work for your company. It can work very well. But we put that in the context of how adaptive is this? And if, you're, if you believe like us that to change rapidly, you need to have people you know, in, in close communication with each other, so the both, the both axes, then a highly deeply specialized, specialized team is possibly not as easy to make them go into a different direction, learning something new, for instance, outside of their uh, uh, known technology. And when you have teams that are, you know, having a more broader uh, sense of development of, of technicalities, maybe. So belief systems are very important. And we try to point out on the map, hey, if you want to move from this kind of type of organization to such a different type of organization, you probably need to rethink a couple of beliefs you have that brought you where you are now. And you might want to say, have to say goodbye to stuff that made you successful up until now. So these are, these are very uh, eye-opening conversations you can, you can have looking at the map. So what's the biggest issue companies are facing? You start talking about this, it seems simple at first, and then they should sort of evaluate where they are, where they wanna be. So what's the biggest struggle? I mean, I can name one for sure. Um, that is uh, basically having very um, having lack of clarity on the journey. I mean, we've started to develop this tool for our clients. Basically, we didn't tend to make something big out of it. We started to develop and use it for our clients who we believe were stuck in some kind of a transformation which doesn't bring any results. So we believe that's the biggest uh, struggle of most organization and that's the biggest, the worst thing happening in the agile space. Going back to your first question, Zuzi, is that, yeah, you can uh, read all this agile uh, maturity surveys, agile uh, state of agile reports and whatnot. And you can see big numbers, 75% of companies are doing this and that. 
yeah, they say they do it, but if you go and really see what's happening, nothing happens. It's the same paradigm, the same top-down management, the same command and control just with new uh, buzzwords applied and spread all over. And, and when you actually go and talk to people who say, hey, we are actually undergoing some major transformation. And when you talk to those people and ask, so what would be the target picture of your organization? Can, can you explain me? Can you write five principles on which you're basing your new org design? They cannot in most cases. And that's what we're really trying to help to solve. Uh, I want to add to this that I found out that actually most leaders, they see transformation or, or changing their work design as a means to an end. Okay, so they have a certain goal, strategic plan, and they want to carry it out. And then some guy pops up and says, well, but if you want to do this, then you probably need to restructure your teams because we're never going to get there if we don't do this, right? You need faster, more efficient or whatever. So we have to go agile and implement safe or Spotify. Um, so that's not the first question they have. The question is not what framework do we need to implement? No, the question is, we have these strategic goals that we need to get to help me doing this. And then to me, it, it just makes more sense to be able to have a dialogue on the dynamics so that these people understand which decisions they need to take within the context of getting those strategic goals, getting towards those strategic goals. So it makes conversation much richer and, and the outcome much more you know, owned by the people who really need that change instead of owned by McKinsey or whoever consultancy company who says, well, you have to do this and then you will get that. Yeah. So what we do, um, like shameful plug uh, with our services. So, but what we do actually, we go to organizations and we, we run a workshop with the leadership and with the employees uh, where we are trying to help them go back to the basics, you know, get rid of all the terminology, safe, less, whatever. And so can you draw an org design that you want to have? Can you describe it in simple language? Can you find it on the map of org topologies and say, hey, this is our target picture. We want to go there, but now we're still here. Uh, because uh, we believe, and it's not just what we say, uh, a, lo a, a lot of people in the industry agree that if you really want to have change happen, deep change happen, people need to own that change. People need to really understand what we're doing and then use whatever framework or method or a consultant or what not as a tool to get you to that. And when you are using a framework as a tool, which I think is a proper way of using that, and then you see, oh, it's not helping us to get where we want to go. Then of course you can change the framework or you can modify it. You can find something else, right? Then because now you own the destination, now you can find different ways how to get there. And going back to your question, right? We believe lots of companies are just stuck with using some framework because they've also invested in it because lots of stuff you need to buy from consulting firms, Jira licenses and whatnot. And all of this uh, makes you basically be locked on a specific uh, framework, which might not be helping you to get where you want to go. Or somebody hears of some of a new thing that is going around, maybe OKRs or, or I don't know. And then, oh yeah, we also have to do OKRs. 
but but why? What to what purpose? You know, let's have a look. Let's let's see what what you were heading for. Where yeah. you know, where do you want to go to? Will OKRs exactly. Work? And you again, know, we're we're not against OKRs or something. No, but, no, but, no. but 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 if you understand that you actually you want to create an ecosystem where teams would have more alignment on the goals, right? If it's that's your goal, then perfectly OKRs can help you there. But if you haven't had this this agreement in the first place, mm -hmm. then OKRs can be very harmful if it's used as a top-down management approach. So first, you need to understand where you are and where you're going in a simple language. And we are trying to develop this language with the help of some visualization, right? With a map where you can actually point your fingers and say, we are going from here to here. Most people can point fingers even if they cannot articulate and org design, so we're making it easier. And I really love maps. Uh, they are visual, they are easy to remember. That's all cool. Now, to move on a little bit, you both are in agile space for um, ages, I would say. Alexa is actually uh, one of the two people who brought me to the Scrum community to become a Scrum trainer. So thank you very much, now in public. But uh, we got a great welcome. time called training. That was really cool. And I keep following you and learning from you. You're also one of the reasons why I speak at the conferences because my first international conference was uh, in Kiev many years ago and I really love it. So uh, again, thank you for that passion. And we're going to have another one as soon as we stop that fucking war. I agree and I'm joining yes. as yeah. soon as we stop that. So back to my question. Can you share with us something if you look back you started somewhere in agile space and then it evolves and changes and you start looking at things differently. What was your biggest aha moment? It could be a year ago, it could be 10 years ago, but what do you remember as this like, oh, that one? Roland, you go first. <laughs> wow. The because biggest... I have no idea what to no, say. For now, I need to think of that. I think the biggest aha moment, to be quite honest, was, uh, you know, I, 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 I've been into IT for about 25 years. I'm an old guy. And when I was doing software development, my aha moment, my big aha moment was object-oriented programming. You know, I was doing COBOL before. Can you imagine? So that was in the development space. That was my, whoa, this is great. I think in the agile space, it was descaling. Because it was, you know, it was rational unified process, Prince 2, you know, all this stuff, crap, crap, loads of crap on top of each other. And then simplification, descaling, making things just focus on value and delivery of value. I think that's, that's key. I mean, if you still don't get that, and, and a lot of people don't get that yet, because, you know, it takes a lot of effort to sacrifice that structure that is there already for ages, you know, that was created in the 18, 1890s, that's two centuries ago. So yeah, I think descaling is, is my biggest epiphany. Yep. Okay, Alexei, top that I'm one. I'm gonna reuse uh, your thought uh, to help me develop m mine. I guess my biggest uh, fresh recent discovery was that, I mean, those ideas like less, one backlog, one per corner for many teams, you know, that sounds super extreme like when i started my agile journey uh it, it was extreme programming so i know the extremes of extremes right but that sounds 
even scary, not just for developers, for the managers, <laughs> the extremes of less. But actually, having been in this field of less consulting uh, for several years and observing several companies and helping several companies embark on this journey, I mean, it's not that scary. It's it's doable. It's really doable, and it's it probably way harder, you know, to work with component teams who are struggling every day to deliver anything than just to, you know, create a shared backlog, invite everybody, hire a skilled scrum master who can run a multi-team meeting with you and just start living new life, you know, from Monday on. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be that scary of a transformation. So that's my biggest learning is is that working better ways and restructuring your organization doesn't have to be scary, doesn't have to be a very long planned uh, project with huge super budget attached to it. It can happen already on Monday, right, or even on Tuesday. You know, it's not a it's not a big deal, and every every company need to keep experimenting with the with the way they work, and what really helps uh, to make it to make it happen are the people that you already have in the company. If you unleash the potential you know, of those people, if you just uh, trust them for the day, if you just explain them the goals and help them, you know, give them the space to self-organize, self-manage, create new teams, they will do it. So I have participated several times in, in a team self-design events where team members uh, can self-select and create new teams in like two hours. And then you have much better teams, which much broader skill set, and everybody is happier to work with these new people. I mean, this can be just done in two hours. If you have asked managers instead, it, it would have taken much longer and much more Google or Excel spreadsheets to do it. So uh, transformations are easy, actually. Uh, but because you can trust your people and you are not alone in there as a manager. You have transformations are easy. You there. Transfor transformations yeah. are just, we human beings are good at changing. We are agile. We are self-managing. That's why we are the peak of the evolution on this planet. So let's use it in organizations well, as remember, well. Remember, Alex, we had this discussion way before, right? If dolphins would only have hands, they'd probably be much more evolved than we were. Maybe. They also have bigger uh, brains, I think. <laughs> so. And now the question is, is it a good thing or a bad thing? I have my last question because time is flying. So what do you think is the future of Agile in like 20 years from now? Where do you see this whole movement, this whole community, this whole thing? Wow. Well, the community, I'm not sure, but I, do, I did discover a little bit more about uh, non-dualism. And then if I apply non-dualism, so non-dualism is about that we are, we are getting trained as kids to see what the difference is between a chair and a table, right? Or a, a toilet and a seat, no? um, which is good. But at some point, um, we also need to understand that everything is connected to everything, like the avatar idea, okay? So putting that on the agile space means that there should be no, there should be zero distance. There should be no distance between the people making a product and consuming the product. So the customer is the creator and, well, user of the product. That would be, don't ask me how and what it would look like, 
Okay. But now there is this company making products or services, and there is that user somewhere that is, you know, having a need and that will be satisfied by that product. I think that will, we already see this happening, that we're growing closer and closer and closer towards each other. So I think, I think that will become one at a certain point in time. Hopefully the moment of singularity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, if I may answer the question, I will answer it a bit di differently. I don't actually, uh, Zuzi, sadly, see any Agile community at all. I see different, you know, schools of thought and different people praying to different gods and uh, doing completely different opposite things. So I don't think there is any coherent community anymore. It was there 20 years ago. Now it's no more. So this whole Agile thing just actually makes no sense because different people mean very different things when they say agile so hopefully in 20 years there'll be no agile uh, because once he, there is agile there's also non-agile and now mm. you have a choice but there's no choice you need to build adaptive resilient organizations because the goal of organization is to survive for as long as possible and that's the only thing there is and provide some good value right while being alive uh, so I, I hope there is no Agile in a good way, not that Agile dies and something new emerges. No, it just becomes the norm. And uh, hopefully every developer in 20 years uh, can uh, do test-driven development, maybe with the help of an AI co-pilot sitting on the shoulder, you know, but at least we should go there. And, and, and with my help, I will start a community to save the sticky note from dying out. <laughs> yes. Wow. So thank you very much. It was a really great conversation. I have to tell you that after, you know, Agile Prague, I was, um, before that, I was like bored with everything concerning scaling. I said, like, yeah, scaling again. I don't want to hear anything about scaling. It's boring. And then I hear your presentation and say, oh, I'm interested again about scaling-ish kind of thing, okay, about wow. scaling organizational topologies. So you bring my passion back to that topic, and I really start following your blog posts, etc. Not like reading everything, but uh, oh, you should read everything. You know, autologies.com would be a good start. Yeah, but I'm interested in it, and I keep reading, uh, pointing people to this, and I think it's really a great work. So thank you very much for what you're doing. Thank you very much for your conversation. Thanks for having us. And let's plan a next one in 20 years and really go back and check what has happened. <laughs> yeah. well, I'll, be, be I'll be 62. Okay. I'll, I'll be still all right. I'll create a Google calendar invite, but Google might not exist in 20 years. <laughs> so who knows? Oh, I, I do hope Google and its cloud exist because I store so many, so much stuff. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shukhova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sokhova.com S-O-C-H-O-V-A dot com Thank you for listening.